And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hey, Commander, uh, so, as I was saying, uh, in the Quasar Dilemma, remember you used the auxiliary of Deck B for, could you get the Deck B for Gamma Override? The thing is, is that online blueprints clearly indicate that Deck B is independent of the Guidance Matrix. So, we were wondering just where the error lies in that. It's just a television show, that's all, okay? <laughs> right, but, because we were wondering if the quantum flux, and I just listen on this. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn ship. You got it? By Grubfar's hammer, by the sons of Warvan, you shall be avenged. Oh, that's not right. I must speak to you. It is a matter of supreme importance. We are Thermians from the Klaatu Nebula, and we need your help. By the time you just backed off, you... you fin-headed monstrosity. By Grabthar's hammer. What a savings. Hello and welcome to Commentary Monthly Monday. I am Chris Honeywell and I am here with Michael Bailey. Hey! And if you guys have been like listeners of all of our shows or more than, you know, just one of our monthly shows, you'll have noticed the conspicuous absence of of Scott Gardner and and I haven't said anything about it but this show you know this show is just usually Scott and I so or actually I think you and Scott have done uh, uh, one or two of these too yeah we actually. did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen right so right that was fun a scandalous one because yeah. you liked it <laughs> yeah shock the hell out of it it's, it's funny though that because that, when when I saw the trailer for this Legend of the Guardians movie that's coming out with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny my first thought was, wow, that's kind of like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with yeah. the mythological figures. And that was Scott's first reaction to it, too. But everyone else is like, this is like the Avengers. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not. But thank you for playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, here's the thing. I don't really know. I have not spoken to Scott in a while. I've gotten a few cryptic emails from Me him. Too. And there's been a few cryptic Facebook posts. So... So, like a conspiracy theory, we can um, we can uh, maybe piece this together. I've got a little inside information. I I have heard that well. The last time I tried to talk to Demonzo, uh, they made me talk to his lawyer. Yeah, so, it's, it's never good when when he puts you when when it's just like, can I speak to Demonzo? And you know, you hear that thick Austrian accent of <laughs> I don't know why an Italian has an Austrian. You know, who sounds kind of like like he's doing a terrible impersonation. Thank you for calling Demonzo Cola. <laughs> exactly. How can I help you? <laughs> yeah. It's intimidating, though, you got to admit. And the, the thing is, I've always, you know, Scott has always had a more, yeah, what would you say, contentious yes. <laughs> relationship with Demonzo. Like, thinks so, he's a scumbag. I mean, he, there could Scott be, yeah. He's just a complete scumbag, you know. Well, I mean, not 
I, uh, yeah, but I don't hold it against him. That Scott does. No, well, Scott, <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, when I think of, like, the three of us, I, I think of, like, you're on one side, I'm on the, Scott's on the other, and I'm kind of in the middle. So, you know, and and, and on this thing, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll agree with Scott, sometimes I'll agree with you, and on this one, it's like, you know, if DeManzo wants to fuck, like, you know, a bunch of, you know, Laotian prostitutes. I think he should just be allowed to, and that should just bug Scott for I, some reason. I think I it's. Like I, I think it's legal in his country. It, it is. Sure. It's completely legal. So, so you know, why hold him to our standards? Exactly. Scott, you know, that's just how Scott is. You know, I. I that reminds me. I gotta get me to Italy someday. <laughs> just, just don't make a movie like uh, Last Tango in Paris because they'll want to arrest you. Um, uh, bring me the butter. <laughs> but but the thing is is that you know i have my own personal theory scott's been very cryptic with me too i was just like hey dude you want to do this he's like yeah i'll be able to do this but i can't do anything regular and i just think he finally told somebody where the head was uh of <laughs> disney uh that because I, I know scott knows where it is he's got to if anybody if anybody's gonna sniff it out yeah and he's been working there for like oh he's been working there for a couple years now or more you know so yeah and you know the conversations always probably start really not like 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 in the break room where he's just like yeah you know there's all those rumors and one day i'm sure one of the one of the like the guys sweet like smitty the guy who's been a janitor there for like decades he's just you know just Gave him that head, you know, that head motion that says "come with me" and just led him down into the bowels of, you know, the mouse, basically. And there it was. And I think he just, I, I, I think he let it slip. And uh, now he's having to pay some kind of absolution for it. Well, there was also he made a cryptic statement on Facebook of of some sort of new job, oppor- or not job opportunity, but some sort of new thing that he was doing in Disney which has spawned a lot of questions as it happened you know I think within like three or four days after the you know Disney acquired Star Wars so you know maybe they were like you're Scott Garner from Star Wars Monthly Monday you know we're starting that new Star Wars resort we want you on the ground floor of that we need somebody to design it from the ground up he'd do a good job with that too I was just gonna say there'd be nobody I mean he wouldn't have the technical experience, but that's what you got Imagineers for. He would have the vision, though. Yes, and that's and I and you know I say that sort of cheesily. He would have the vision, though. But he would. He would, I, I if I would be I would be mighty psyched if Scott was put in charge of designing Star Wars Disney. If we don't get to stay Disney there World, free, and I would be pissed. mighty pissed if I didn't have a job. <laughs> would you move too. to Florida for that? Huh? Would you move to Florida for that? Only if I could live in Star Wars world, <laughs> Star Wars land. <laughs> Just I, I don't care. Give me a tent. <laughs> you know, give me give me let me sleep inside the Tauntaun carcass, you know, <laughs> up on top of the fake, you know, snow dune or whatever. I'm fine, but yeah. <laughs> I was scraping the palmetto bugs off me in the morning and stuff like that, but I wouldn't care. I'd be crawling out of a Tauntaun and like as I was yawning and stretching my arms, a snow speeder would go flying over my head. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, same old thing every morning. Same routine. <laughs> now it's time to get down to the Moss Eisley Cantina. Or you're the bartender. Chop, chop. 
<laughs> no blasters. No blasters. Hey, we don't serve their kind. Well, you know, the NAACP <laughs> is going to be really... Like, <laughs> oh, you don't, but... do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We're going to talk over a movie. Yes, we are. Yes, enough of that, Scott Gardner. We can't let his whatever whatever's happening stop us from our from our quest <laughs> quest for the holy grail <laughs> no wait that's not it at all i've been really looking forward to to this uh this episode well i was really happy that you asked me to be part of it because i love this movie i saw it in the theater and everything and just completely fell in love with it as a film it sounds like you and me are pretty parallel on this, and we haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, so and uh, so watching it again for this show, I was just I was in hog heaven. So spoiler, we're probably gonna, we're not probably not going to be ripping this movie apart too much. No, not um, at all, actually. And, uh, and really, mostly the commentary monthly Mondays are movies we like. But man, I forgot how much I like this movie. Um, boy, oh boy, um, and I. I've heard a lot of people have been making the statement, and I can't remember who it was. It was somebody. It might have been. Um, it was somebody involved somehow tangentially or directly with Star Trek. Said, you know, this was one of the best Star Trek movies ever made. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, there are certain movies that are out there, and you and I were kind of talking about this before we started recording. That do a subject like a genre. Uh, you know, like a piece and do it so well that it stands equal with what it's trying to pay homage to. Um, yeah, if if not actually superior to a lot of uh, what it's pl- playing homage to in spirit, you know? You know, there's there's uh, The Incredibles uh, which I, which you and I agree is is probably one of the best superhero films ever made. Yeah. There yeah. was a low budget horror film. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was like the Rise of Vernon something. Um, what was it? Was about basically about a guy do like this reporter was interviewing a killer from a slasher film. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And he was basically telling her, it was like kind of a behind the scenes how he does it. And it was so well done that when it gets to the slasher film portion of it, because eventually it turns into it, it does it so well that it's almost better than any other because they distill it to its pure essence. And that's the thing. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead. Zombie films. One of the probably one of the best zombie films ever because it's not quite satire, but satire works best to me. And I and I have to thank my friend Thomas DJ for for pointing this out and giving words to something that's been swirling in my head for years. Is that satire does best that if you take out the comedic elements, it still works in that genre. Right, right. And that is so important. It it it, it for it to work. Because then you're taking it seriously. You can have fun with it. You can poke fun at it. But, but if you still have characters you care about. Yeah, and you're, you're playing it straight on a certain level. And I think that's what people react to. The fact that this film, one, never got a sequel. And two, was not as successful as I think it should have been. Just shows that it came out at a bad time. Just wasn't the time for this movie to be popular. 
Uh, especially if, you know, it came out in 1999. There, there was something else going on in 1999 that was a little bigger. That kind of dwarfed everything else. And I'm not talking about The Matrix. Uh, so. Well, yeah, I'm glad there weren't sequels to it because as I I don't quite 100% agree with the, um, you know, one of the best Star Trek films. I think this is one of the best films about Star Trek. Yes. Ever, ever made. And there's been quite a few, there's been Trekkies and a few fictional ones and quite a few documentaries. We were talking, you were just talking about the Shatner one where he was interviewing people and they, yeah. and where, where people talk about and, and try to distill the essence of Star Trek. This does it. And, you know, as it goes on, we'll, we'll see why, why and how. But this this does it with a good story and just a, a fun movie. But at the same time, it pretty much gets nails Star Trek right on the head. At least from my perspective, at least the way I look at Star Trek. Oh, definitely. The, the, the way I always try to express, you know, why Star Trek is not just, uh, you know, a fun, goofy TV show that you like a lot, you know. And uh, this this movie puts it almost in a zen-like fashion you know well you almost you almost don't know that you're getting it because you're so wrapped up in the story it's kind of funny that you say it like that because i think i think certain fans and i'm not saying you know this this makes you better or worse than anybody but i think certain fans i feel go... it makes me better <laughs> but i think certain fans do go through kind of a zen journey with their fandom where it's just like you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when they start, it's I like this, and then it's like, why do I like this? Why does it work? What you know, study it tooth and nail, get it, get inside yeah. of it, live in it, and then at the other end, you're like, I like this, right? You well, know? that's why that's why I know you and I both have a, a disdain for hipsters. Yes, because hipsters are like ner- you know, hipsters are kind of like in in their taste in in stuff. They're kind of like nerds that don't want to admit, yeah, that they that that's that's it's almost like you know a twelve step program where where what you know you become a true you, you that line is drawn between hipster and nerd, where a hipster's gotta like something ironically. Yeah, I can't like this sorta, just to like it. I have to like right. it because it's silly and that makes it funny and therefore and, I'm laughing at it. You can go fuck yourself. And a lot of the hipsters I know, as they've grown older, you know, and time has worn them down, and they finally come to that point where they admit to themselves, you know, I like this. You know, yeah. that I, 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 you know, you can only watch if if there's something you're watching for a few ironic snorts and and laughs and giggles to mock it. You don't want to watch it more than once. But after 20 years, they're like, I'm still watching this this cheesy stuff that you know I was watching to make fun of. And then they start realizing it's good, you know, because I think I think hipsters a lot of times are stuck in their own brains where they're sort of intellectualizing things. So they try to figure out why something's good or, or they equate a lot of work or a lot of um, intricacy to it being good. Yeah. So something that's kind of naive or just simple and stupid and goofy is is written off but at the same time you it, it's put, touching something in you that makes you feel good 
so you like it, but you can't let people know that you really do like, you know, that. so, you know, you wear, you wear their t-shirt ironically and you listen to them and go, is this, is this fucking cheesy? Oh, this is great. But no, it's just great. Yeah. <laughs> That's all there is to it. It's good. If you like it, it's good. Whether it's like some weird band like the Shag, like a lot of people, the the Shags were this band of sisters that their father, I don't know if he thought he could make them famous or something, but he bought them instruments and took them into a studio and told them to write songs. And they had no, you know, they had to teach themselves. And they made these droney, weird, monotone singing sound songs. And I knew all these hipsters who would be like, oh, you got to listen to the Shags because, you know, oh, the whole story of it. And it's this bizarre thing. And, you know, the, the record became really collectible. But then it became a Rhino record, a CD and stuff. And after a while, they had to start admitting to themselves, I kind of like it, you yeah. know. <laughs> you know, I it, it, we we. They they couldn't play their instruments and stuff, but I'm still I'm still listening to this and I can't I I kind of you know it would it would uh, now if they met the actual shags they would probably be like I'm so honored to meet you. <laughs> they they realize that art is 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 art and good art is good art and you like it or you don't like it. That's a big uh, Luke Jacanetti. Yeah. Saying that he uh, scarfled from. Uh, well, he's a smart man. So, the the Phantom of the. The Phantom of the Paradise, yes. Paradise, yes. And uh, so, I, don't know, I think we got a good introduction uh, to hop into this uh, this puppy. Let me get my video all. Uh, yeah, I'm all at zero 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 zero. Okay, so uh, I'll do the countdown and on go. We push play, and we will begin our galaxy quest. Three, two, one, go. I, uh, I've never liked the DreamWorks intro. I appreciate that they do different things for different films. I just, it's too hippie for me. It's just a boy It's fishing. very Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yes it is. <laughs> I appreciate that this company is out there, though. I will say that. I'm, I, you know, if if it wasn't a Disney song, I, I'm surprised it does. Or doesn't it sometimes have "When You Wish Upon a Star" in it? Or was that just Close Encounters that had that? I, I think it was just Close Encounters. Now I'm gonna put this up on Facebook when this is out. But there's a uh, an e mockumentary about galaxy quest that came out to promo this movie that's on youtube are those real are those really her boobs i think that is a wonder bra okay because i you know i remember in alien when she was in her underwear she had tiny athletically not tiny but you know like jamie lee curtis boobs i think that's just a wonder bra they're just they're just accentuating them I love Tony Shalhoub. I know. I will be repeating that several times during the course of the film. <laughs> He's the Zen character of this. He's the one who just takes everything in stride. I love this because it's the character. It's you know plays on the classic Star Trek characters really, but it's in sort of a next generation feeling. Yeah, feeling. And of, Tim yeah. Allen just nails. Well, William they totally. Shatner. 
oh, William Shatner, like, the motion picture era. Yeah, and without the, making his fun build... of him. No, well, that's what this movie, I mean, okay, so there you have your, you, you got your, there's literally that guy in the front row is your, like, mouth-breathing yeah. nerd style, and this could be any any convention, realistically. And, uh, but, you know, they, they play it close to that edge, but they always keep, you know, there's, there's always a, a love for these characters for the, and for the fans. And at this, there's, there's a lot of places this movie could have gone wrong and gone in the direction that every movie like this goes in that it didn't, it, and it's, por it could have, it's portrayals of everybody could have been broader. I like that the costumes look like jumpsuits. Yes. So. And, and you know, I, I mean, probably like this dialogue is like very similar to probably real stuff people said about Shatner and, you know, waiting for, for Shatner to show up. This is the first time I really remembered seeing Sam Rockwell in anything. And I've really come to the conclusion that I think he is one of the greatest actors working today. Oh, yeah. He's he's like um, uh, Gary um, um, Commissioner Gordon. Um, Gary Oldman. Yeah, he's different. Gary Oldman. Every, yeah, he's like an, yes, a, a, he's a, a Vigo Mortison. I mean. Yes. In this movie, he's... This movie, almost everybody's got their thing. Like, Shalhoub, I notice, and I just noticed it. What reminded me is he's trying to open the cookies there. He's just always looking. He's always got food or looking for food. Um, um, you know, the the doctor always, always, you never see him without his uh, headpiece on. <laughs> David Newman did the music for this, and I think he tapped into the best Jerry Goldsmith impersonation he could do and just made it work. Yeah, that one guy. Okay, that whole first row. Let's uh let's be honest. You think I wonder how much fun they had filming the mock, the, the scenes of well, the just, series. And just color color um you know, doing the, the, the color um, alignment on on that film to make it look like an old Star Trek film, the way the rocks, you know, like an old 16 millimeter film. <laughs> and then, and, and, and of course, the red shirt guy is like the host of the, it's, it's, I, I think maybe when they were making this, they knew that everybody was going to know that this was Star Trek, you know, getting lampooned. So that they had to maybe subtle it up, you know, to make it more, more appealing. But man, the, just the obvious love for Star Trek in this. Although I very much doubt, like, I mean, right here, he looks like Kirk from Star Trek, the motion picture. Yes. And, and this sort of looks like the, the, you know, where he was like, Bones, I need, I need you. you. I need you. But I don't think Shatner, I can't see Shatner ever like putting Nimoy against the wall you know <laughs> I love it you can just see his soul just like dying a little bit yeah <laughs> he's the king he's the king of exasperation I mean just the casting is always points for Sigourney Weaver she's right up there with Jamie Lee Curtis and if you could put me in the middle of a Jamie Lee Curtis Sigourney Weaver sandwich I would be the happiest boy in the world just, which is kind of funny because 
right before I was recording tonight, my wife was watching Christmas with the Cranks with Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver. Uh, I mean, uh, Tim Allen and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. So, oh, lucky Tim Allen. You see, I'm not a fan of Tim Allen. I never liked his oh, TV I show. Oh, I love Tim Allen. I never liked him as a comedian. I always thought he was kind of douchey, and like he had that. I remember when I heard that he'd like gotten arrested for coke. I was like, I knew it. He had that sort of like, I've done a lot of coke edge to him and stuff. He's perfect in this movie. The, he's so, he can be a very appealing actor. And in this movie, he's, you know, I have, doesn't bother me at all. As a matter of fact, I don't think they could have casted it, cast anybody better. Now, what I like about Sam Shepard is his thing is once he gets going, I think after a certain point in this, he's just ha every scene he's in, he's just pouring sweat <laughs> off his body. He's just constantly sweating. The thing about Tim Allen's character in this is that while he's very arrogant right at the beginning, you get the sense that he loves talking to these people. Oh yeah, no, no, he does love it. He, it's, I, I mean, that's the thing. They could really have. In, in a normal movie like this, he would have been just a total asshole. A total asshole to everybody else. But you get the picture. They all love him, but they've been around him for so long. You know, it's that familiarity breed, yeah. breeds contempt. contempt. Oh, definitely. And and uh, I, I imagine that, just like, long. probably the, the relationship between Shatner and the real actors was probably way tenser yes. <laughs> than it is with these guys. They still they, they they still like him, you know, and and there would be some point in a normal movie where and he has it sort of in the beginning his identity crisis, but there would be some point where he's just like I'm not the captain, I'm a total piece of shit, you know, and they never really play that up in here. He never really loses faith in himself or or really in the in his character as a captain, you know, he's married to it like Shatner is. Shatner's married to captain kirk till death and he's accepted it and embraced it i think <laughs> that sigourney weaver is one of those women that has just gotten more attractive as she's gotten older mm -hmm. oh i like this actor <laughs> so good actually everybody playing the aliens because you got this guy uh whose name always escapes me so i'm going to look at it enrico colantoni I know him basically from Just Shoot Me, which was a sitcom on NBC uh, where he played like a photographer uh, opposite Laura San Giacomo. Um, and then you got the woman played by Missy Pyle, who is a brilliant comedic actor. She was in uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as uh, Violet Beauregard's mother. Okay. I mean, just, just the cast in this is so freaking brilliant <laughs> yeah and he could pretty much have any one of those so well this uh, i mean just watching stuff in the background now i guess i've heard that this scene is based on something that actually happened to shatner as he was actually taking a piss and her dialogue very similar to this <laughs> in real life well the shitty part is is that these guys are just assholes these guys are just, these guys are this only like just sort of plot element that's like forced in there. It's like who's gonna pay to go to a convention just to mock people and then talk openly in the bathroom with 
you know, all right, granted they're nerds, but there's a lot of seven foot Klingon people, you know, or the equivalent of Klingons walking around. (laughs) Yeah. And you don't, you know, if you go there to mock, you don't go, you go there and you pretend to be, you know, friendly and stuff. And then you and your friend like go off in the corner and, or, you know, or, or videotape it and then edit it into a mockery. You don't go in the bathroom and go, look at these fucking nerds, you know? What yeah, a bunch of losers. Washing his, washing his hands is going to grab you and put you up against a wall. Exactly. They they vastly outnumber you. That's just not that's not really how bullies act. Anyway, I love this this collection. Of, the acting in this is just so sharp. I mean, all... I'm really know, glad just, that Justin Long has had a career because he's a really solid actor. Um... He's so young here. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm trying to think of really what he's sort of the equivalent. He, um, what what's it? John Cryer. He's like a, yeah. He's like the next version of John Cryer. Yeah, it's like the only time he's an ass in this whole thing is when somebody just basically shit on his carpet, essentially. <laughs> and what's great is again, it's the characters that make you love this film. Here they are talking to each other afterwards and are concerned to a certain extent. And he's in his apartment. He's still got his headpiece on. <laughs> <He's so good. laughs> she makes a very good blonde. Well, this is just so awesome because you see, like, you see that, like, you know, he's in a he's in a crappy apartment. Tim Allen's got the nicest house of all of them. He's got the like really architect actually ostentatious house you know he's making you know that's basically just right now they just showed us like the economic strata of you know of the cast you know and him being the star he's made more money than the rest of them and it's just it's so right there he looks so much like shatner yeah it's just incredible the hair the hairstyle the 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 shirt And and of course Shatner probably does sit at home and watch <laughs> himself on TV. God, I love this theme. Cuz it's it's like Star Trek but not Star Trek and mm-hmm. still holds up very well on its own. The uh I got to And I, here, this is his whole personality crisis. He gets drunk one night and then Hello there. How are you doing? I will not do the entire commentary in that voice. So I probably could. Actually, no, it would annoy funny. the piss out of me after a while. This is, since Starman, this is the next the next greatest, like, alien in a, in a unfamiliar body, you know, physical comedy acting, you know, with all these guys. I love whenever they walk, you know, they're trying to, like, not use their hands like tentacles yeah <laughs> but they still sort of have to they're always they're always paddling their hands ahead of them because <laughs> there's a if they ever actually show him because there's some deleted scenes of this film that are quite funny uh i will point out a certain actor at that point but just they are so in the moment they're, the, e- even the people not speaking are just totally in the moment of where oh, they are. Everybody in the background of this movie all the time, like all the nerds and stuff, everybody's acting off everybody else and 100,000% in character. So it's just, you, you, you know, this is the second time I'm watching it this week, so I'm paying more attention to, you know, people looking at each other in the background. It's just, it's just hilarious. 
He's hanging his ass and nutsack out at him. <laughs> I wonder what's running through Missy Pyle's head right now. Just, <laughs> don't, don't laugh. <laughs> I've see. I've known some hips. That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks they're just taking him to go do like something in their basement basically well because yeah it's and this is this is going to be my running theme of this is is i think that the basic basic theme of this movie is that it's real yeah. star trek is real it's not just a tv show it's real because it's an idea it's a concept it makes people it it, it 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 gives people something beyond entertainment, and this is you know it's it's just all a meditation on here is where we you know all these actors have been doing it long enough that although Tim Allen's really doesn't take him long to accept that he's really in space and he's really going to be his commander character. As a matter of fact, he's like, all right, why not? <laughs> I already am anyway. And uh, yeah, we're just gonna see it over and over again, where it's just like, no, it's 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 real. <laughs> I love the fact that this guy just keeps going. Poor dog. <laughs> that poor dog. That dog never worked again. <laughs> Commander. I'm sorry to wake you. I love I love it. Look at the drool mark down the. On the seat next to him. No, no, come on. <laughs> Don't stop. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big meditation and on it's real and do your thing. <laughs> if you want everything to work out, do do what you do. But you know, as silly as it's gonna sound, really and truly, never give up, never surrender is not a bad thing to hang a series around. You know? Right, right. I mean, that's if you look at the fans. And that's a of weird Star thing because there was never really, there was never really that sort of thing. There was never really a Star Trek catchphrase. You know? I mean, Spock had "Live Long and Prosper." And stuff, you know, uh, to bo oh, actually, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, live I long and prosper. I mean, you, you yeah. had things like that. But really, when you when you think of these shows, by the way, the creature effects in this movie are fucking amazing. Even today, even though, and these are like early in the CG, um, uh, CG days. You know what they remind me of? They remind me of the aliens from the last Starfighter a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, that, like, I love that there's a nice mixture of practical effect aliens and CG aliens. It's not all, you know, a good, a good chunk of them are guys in really nice rubber suits, and and the rest are completely CG. I love the look on his face here. Like, wow, what great makeup! Yeah, he's just like, this is. <laughs> You know, the production values of this are just amazing. <laughs> I love the fact that the, the things on his head move. Oh, every, he's, you know, he's got all sorts of little, you know, um, 
legs and armor things that'll pop out when he's mad and and you know his head pieces will be working when he's but I love it you know I it usually in in a usual movie this would be these this would have more dire consequences but really he did just did the right thing in this circumstance he, he really does the right thing by just going into his character because that's what they got him for yeah, that and yeah, you you fired him. That's what Kirk would do. That's what Kirk would do. Kirk and Kirk would sit there and go, "Okay, yeah, okay, uh, all right." So what you're saying is this? All right, shoot at him and and let's go. You know, and and the thing is, the only reason that he's a dick right now is because he doesn't know it's real. You know, but the second he knows it's real, he doesn't he doesn't start going, "I can't do this," and 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 anguish over it. He starts doing it. <laughs> <laughs> tried to give him a hug it just didn't work out that's great because a lot of times you know actual actual nerd um, body language and social graces are very much like squid people in the human body well, that is a good point I mean but the thing about this film and again one of the reasons why I love it so much is that Yes, it pokes fun at the culture, but it's kind-hearted. But from it's... like, it's like I feel like this is like somebody I know giving me a hard time about something. Right, right. You know, we're on the same wavelength. I don't feel like I'm being insulted. Any average Star Trek fan appreciates all the the humor in this because they know, you know, they know, and it's not. But it's not portraying them as being idiots. As a matter of fact, they kind of save the world. So. It's good Shatner close up there. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> He's just screaming the entire time. Yeah, he could almost be Shatner there. You know, the computer effects here are quite good. Yeah, I know, especially for the time period it came out when it was just, it's usually that stuff doesn't stand up nowadays to nowadays, but really this there's nothing really um awkward in this movie where they where it's like ah uh, they tried to do that too soon this this doesn't play this yeah. is one, one scene that doesn't play as much because i just don't think they're down to that level you know but that looks like zach galifianakis in the background there what a savings and that's the thing is, is you get an actor like Alan Rickman who, you know, he chews scenery on a pretty regular basis, which oh, isn't yeah. a bad thing. Oh Jesus! Yeah, that's quite a body check. God, you're an asshole. That girl is somebody I just don't know who she is, but she was no, she was on Grace Under Fire. That's right, she was the daughter on Grace Under Fire. Why do you even bother to show up at all? Guys, how do how do you convince them of this? But you notice when you look in the background, every girl is smiling right now. They're all like, ooh. <laughs> So, so You're Smoob's right. Eating. He was just eating the entire. Just watch. Yeah, he just—he's just always eating. He's—he's he's the Zen character. He's just like, 
That's why he gets. Yeah, yeah. The, This is like <laughs> just pumping their hands. It's awesome. Say, hey, look at them! Look at them! Come on, see? It's all real. <laughs> yeah, Tim, Tim Allen must have watched his like Star Trek episodes and like pictures of or, you know videos of Shatner personal appearances and stuff. Yeah. Although he's a very Shatner-like, anyway, it's just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant casting. I, I honestly think my family and I would watch a lot of stand-up together when I was a kid because we had HBO and they would show. That was like when HBO did good stand-up. Um, and Tim Allen was like on a young comedian special, and it was just one of those things. It, everything he said was repeated a thousand times. And Home Improvement as a sitcom wasn't all that bad. Um, I didn't really like his sons, but that's just because the two older ones were kind of douchebags, just in general. No, but I, no, it was a great idea for a sitcom, and it had the classic "The Neighbor Over the Fence." As a matter of fact, in the in the E documentary, they they have an interview with Tim Allen. He's like, "Well, you know, everybody knows me from that sitcom, you know, Hello Neighbor, where you never really saw my face, you know, and I always talked over the fence." Yeah, Sam Shepard is 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 awesome. I'm just remembering he was Zaphod Beeblebrox. Yes, and he was in Moon. I haven't seen Moon yet, but I really oh, it's want great to just because of treat. of him basically. Yeah, it's a treat. It's it's good science fiction too. It's solid, real science fiction. I do want to see Confessions of a Dangerous Mind as well. That's a great movie. But he just I'm a big fan of Chuck Barris. Look at see, he's at the microwave. You know, that's how he misses everything because he's getting putting some food in the microwave. It's like Les Nesman on WKRP always had a Band-Aid on somewhere. I love that they're cold too, but I think from this point on, pretty much Sam Rockwell is in that cold sweat. Yeah. <laughs> from this point on in the movie, well, they must have been just spraying him down before every scene. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his eyes. <laughs> We're just watching the film at this point because those actors are just giving it them all. They're all. Yeah, yeah. Just freaking brilliant. <laughs> Hell are those? They're very Cthulhu-looking looking creature. They got kind of like alien long skulls, too. Or, you know, H.R. Uh, Giger alien long skulls. That's a little uh, little rough, but not too bad. <laughs> Look at him. He's so damn happy. Oh, yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a movie that made the whole red shirt mythos, you know, a national really thing. Really work, yeah. And see, Sh I love it. Shalhoub's just a guy who's just like, all right, <laughs> you know. 
He's he's just a he's he's the Ringo. He's along for the ride. I just hey, <laughs> we're on a spaceship. That's good. <laughs> I have never seen Tony Shalhoub put in a bad performance. I don't know if he's supposed to be stoned or just a little doofy or like stupid or what what his character is, but he's just great or just like a simple person, not simple-minded, but just like you know, I like my food and. I mean, I mean, even even in a movie called Primary Colors, which was ostensibly about the Bill Clinton campaign from 1992, Tony Shalhoub has this bit, bit, bit part where he's doing like this, like kind of Cuban accent, and he just sells it. Just everything he does. Now the guy standing behind Missy Pyle in the background, uh-huh. that kind of skinny guy, he's in Christmas with the Cranks too. So it's really funny that I just saw him like 30 minutes ago in another movie as another character, but he still like pretty much looks exactly the same. <laughs> Even though he's like an alien here. <laughs> I, I love that he just, that Sam Shepard just believes that he's doomed from the, from the first moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't know it's a show. Shh. Yeah. Well, look at him now. He's he's totally turned into the body language of Star Trek: The Motion Picture Kirk. Yep. That's sort of like I got my shoulder pads on and I'm tipping to the side when I talk and looking admirably. See? Yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah, definitely. He's he's rocking it. He's like, I love my uniform. <laughs> I'm looking sharp. Well, that in my uniform, uniform is so much better than the uniforms from the first Star Trek film. So. <laughs> It's <laughs> like a kid in a freaking candy store. Yeah. This is one of those great moments where they really sell the epicness of the scene. This is almost as inspiring as the star, you know, the first Star Trek movie when they first get a glimpse of the Enterprise. Yeah, this was the first part I had like when I was rewatching this, where I kind of choked up, where I was just like, "Oh, this is beautiful." Well, the music, the the sets, every I mean, just look at this beautiful pan of this crap and even though it's it, the nte which stands for not the enterprise <laughs> that's great but i mean just the score the way that ship looks i mean it, it, it it's perfect brilliant sphere well i've also heard that like the star trek online game has um has a starship that is run by a brilliant spear and in deference to this movie and tribute to this movie. If I got to design my own ship in a Star Trek game, I would name it the Protector and put these people on it. (laughs) (laughs) There was in the 70s, there was a a Star Trek book that had a lot of, you know, new Star Trek, new voyages, or, or I can't remember if it was the new voyages, but it had a script in it where this basically happened, where where um, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and Uhura got switched with the actors who played them through oh, that's some interesting. weird, and they found themselves on the Enterprise and had to fake their way 
into you know seeming like they knew what they were into playing their characters and I wonder how much I have to reread that and see how much of this is is parallel <laughs> he's just eating it up <laughs> but you see she's starting she's starting to enjoy it now too she's starting to enjoy it like through through Tim Allen <laughs> Sam Rockwell's just like I'm just happy to be here yeah for however long I'm gonna be here <laughs> but but you gotta think you know of where these you know these actors had to put themselves in this film is that you've got to play a, uh, an actor that is attached to an iconic role and suddenly you are that iconic role See, here's another just where they're starting to push the whole theme of, like, you know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> You've already done it, and it's real. So uh, you have to, you know. And, you know, it doesn't take them a long time. There, You know, a lot of times the whole movie would be the arc of them coming to terms with, you know, they are who they are. Yeah, they, this is a very touching scene too. It's where they bring everybody. You know, these guys are like this is the high point of their entire life and career is that they're on the, on the bridge of of the protector as it's getting taken out. Excuse me. No, 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 no. Really, take us out. Uh, Tim Allen in this in this scene coming up does some of the best physical comedic acting <laughs> yes <laughs> just it's so subtle but it's just really funny now what how what, did men in black come out before this or oh yeah this? about by about two years two years before this yes men in black came out in 97 this reminds me a lot of men in black a little bit yeah i think this is actually a better movie than men in black but Which it's isn't got a that bad same film, the first one. No, least, so. no, no. It's another one with a great script, great cast, and, you know, just everybody sells it. You know, everybody's and so, a, a solid genre movie with a, with a real story to it, you know. And I think it is the fact that there is a story here. I mean, it's a simple story, but it, 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 it's a story that is just there enough that you can give the characters yeah. <laughs> I mean it's almost <laughs> just like no no sir no <laughs> stop side seat drive uh, <laughs> But what's great about this is that it takes all of the majesty of the Enterprise going out of dock in Star Trek The Motion Picture and does a really funny airplane moment with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, takes the piss out of it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's going to be over any second now. It's like the bus driver grinding the gears. <laughs> Like every time Snoopy hopped in the car and, you know, the European movie that they did where he grinds the gears every single time. Like how they all have a, a different way to clap like they do have tentacles. Yes, yes. That's pretty epic, too. I mean. Yeah. That's like off the that's like off a old uh, pulp novel cover. This is great. And. Poor. 
Well, they got the right state for Kirk, but yep. that's great that he's got his, you know, whatever, you know, equivalent of Vulcan food. Looks like they're drinking some uh, Romulan ale there. Romulan ale and... So you build a device and you don't know what it does. It's the only part of this film that I'm just like, eh? But I'm willing to accept it. Well, you know, I mean, you can write it off as just a bad plot device from the original TV show. Yeah, it's you know? a MacGuffin, really. Yeah, and that's the thing. That well, that's the thing about Star Trek is there's lots of goofy stories and and stupid plot, you know, uh, you know, machinations that are just there to like add something to the story that don't make any sense. But you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it. it yeah, there's there's a lot of stupid stuff, but the base idea of it is what drives it. Mm-hmm. So you, and, and 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 it's funny because you know, as as anybody who's ever seen a movie before knows, since they've just mentioned this Omega device, you know, <laughs> it's gonna come up again at some point. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just when he starts telling, I am sorry. <laughs> It's like the one time he breaks that kind of monotone thing to his voice. <laughs> Sam Shepard's just like, huh? <laughs> and that's when they realize, oh, wait. <laughs> Uh, yes, people are actually dying in this scenario. Look, look, Shaloub's got a bag full of food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he realizes he's fucking screwed. Yeah. He's screwed, but he's not so panicked that it stopped him from eating. I well okay then very good we're screwed he does he's got a big bag of food yeah yeah he grabbed it to go <laughs> that's a really cool looking bridge it's like yeah, it's cooler than some of the enterprise bridges yeah I, I like the stark grayness of it You see, but he does it. He he does not falter. He oh. goes right Hello, into character. <laughs> he failed to activate the ship's neutron armor as quickly as I hoped on our last encounter. I'd like to say I'm real sorry about what happened to you before. The whole thing was just a, a just a misunderstanding. Deliver the device to me, or I will destroy. What was it? Was it Star Trek Six with the Klingon with the with the with patch the eye patch, nailed yeah. over his eye? Christopher Plummer. Yes. But like I said before, a little bit of the last Starfighter in there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> very, very Kirk-like. This is great. 
<laughs> See, he's just, just sweating, just in his cold sweat. <laughs> you have made an error. <laughs> okay, this is a commentary. I need to talk, watch less. I'm just getting just totally sucked into this film. I know. That's I just watched problem. it a couple days ago too. Look at those control panels too. Are total Star <laughs> the Trek. Things are in the blue thing. Yeah. There's just no way they can serve any purpose. There's no way you could garner any kind of useful information out of them that wouldn't, you know, when when you look at all these all these movies with the with the spaceship readouts, it's like, yeah, why don't you just have one screen, you know, and you and you go, okay, I need to see what this is. And you touch on this is very like doomsday machine, well, the, type ship. You know, on one hand, they're they're doing the the actors getting thrown around the set thing very well, but on the other hand, this is a pretty dynamic space fight. Yes. Even yes, I, well, they definitely took advantage. I think they, I think they did that on purpose to, you know, push the reality um, yeah. aspect of it rather than. Um, it's a, it's. I mean, right there, that shot with the music—that's Wrath of Khan, right yeah, there. Yeah, And the ship turning. But again, that's what makes it work: is that if you didn't have that, if you didn't have the peril and and, and just looking at it, looking at the ship and having the space scenes be kind of more dynamic to a certain extent than some of the Star Trek films. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is more Star Wars, I would say, in terms right. of battle uh, than Star Trek, because Star Trek was all... <laughs> right, well, because they're trying to take another layer into closer to reality with this in Star Trek, you know, so so that's why you have the... the that's why they cheesed it up for the, you know, the manufactured footage of the... <laughs> <laughs> right behind Tony Shalhoub, the little guy, is an actor named Dean Bacar. If you've ever seen the movie Basketball, he was a little bitch. Oh, not in a long time. He was friends and schoolmates with Trey Parker and Matt Stone. And they did Cannibal the Musical together back in, like, 93. And when Trey Parker was tapped for Basketball, he brought on Matt Stone and Dean Bacar. Didn't have much of a career after that, but it was just funny to see him. He's more in the deleted scenes on the DVD than actually in the film. Uh, so he ended up, he just basically ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Here's your Empire Strikes Back moment. Yeah, yeah. This guy, just <laughs> the screams that he does are just so, <laughs> he's hiding under the table. That's actually a really cool idea for a minefield, though, that they're yeah. Well, I like that. I like that his character is like Wesley, Chekhov, and Sulu all mixed into yeah. one. If they would have made this this year, they would have had one character who was outrageously gay, or you know, very out outwardly gay to you think? Do the Takai. Yeah, just, oh, yeah to, just to play Takai, up the Takai yeah, aspect of it, because he's become such a oh, iconic my. character. Yeah, I mean he's everywhere now. He's like, he's a he's a major meme generator on the internet's now. Yes, he is. And a regular on Howard Stern, so he's he gets 
a lot more play than he has in years. He did a really great bit on uh, the not the Jimmy Fallon show, but who? What is that guy's name? Craig Ferguson. No. Or... Jimmy Kimmel show. Oh, okay. Where he uh, he was delivering a message to this basketball player that made some derogatory remarks towards gays. It was basically at the end of it going, you know, I am deeply offended because we like you. We really <laughs> like And I just freaking died. <laughs> His scream is so brilliant. Kicking and screaming. Because I'm British. Ted I was, Ford. I was Hans Gruber. <laughs> and the sheriff of Nottingham. I always think of him in... Uh, um, oh, what was that Kevin Smith movie? And Harry Potter. Kevin Smith and Harry... Oh, uh, Kevin... Dogma. Yeah, he was Dogma, Dogma. yes. He was great in Dogma. Yes, he was. That's a great running gag to the Yeah, that she keeps talking the to the computer. Thing. What's great is it's not really a like a rip on anything that really happened in Star Trek. It's just like stuff that yeah. happened in Star Trek. And again, that sort of works better than doing stuff that's direct riffs. It shows a lot more creativity yeah. as far as the writing goes in this. I mean, this is this is just some really you know, when I see this I'm like, "Geez, it, movies have just got dumbed down really fast. This is the 90s. It wasn't that long ago. And you just, like, actually, like, The Avengers was, like, a return to this this style of movie, you know, where they're like, let's do a fun movie, but let's take care to make everything yeah, it about break. it quality. You know, make it smart in all the right places. I mean, take ludicrous... Con I have always been of the opinion, and, it, you know, it's why... Chris Evans worked in the Avengers. It's why Christopher Reeve worked in Superman the movie. You take an actor or a writer or a director and they play it so straight. Or in this case, you know, comedic, but still kind of on a straight path. If you buy believe in into the, the fiction, the audience will just follow you. Oh, yeah. You know, these people are just... I don't understand the concept that we have to dumb it down because it doesn't have to be like, you know, brilliance. It doesn't it's have to be cheaper and oh, easier to dumb it down. Serious. But if you just write a script and get a bunch of people together and, and I understand that there's a formula to these things. Well, the thing is this, this obviously had more time spent on it than the average movie of like this. You know, they, they spent the money to get the good actors, a good writer, and you know maybe it had a couple more you know you know the little longer for the script to work on or or whatever but you know there's just it's it's a labor of love and you can tell you can tell that you know they they paid attention to make sure that they didn't skimp on every anything but the actors are of such a quality that I don't know if any of these people ever watched Star Trek and yet they don't have to because the script is strong enough to yeah. communicate what they what they need to you know. I I mean I, I I'm sure a good 
portion of them are and you know good actors probably if they didn't know about star trek probably a lot of these guys were watching star trek yeah in preparation for this role but whatever whatever happened everybody involved seemed to really get it you know get the idea this was right before monk hit big wasn't it Mm mm-hmm <laughs> He's so happy to be there. He's just sort of that doofy, you know, post hippie California guy, you know. Hey, come on, everybody. It's just, you know, that that head makeup is really effective. I'm serious. I I really buy into like the whatever conch shell he's got glued to the side of his head. <laughs> I like how as the movie goes on, it just start you know the spirit gum starts wearing off around and the starts ripping and tearing. Yeah, but, but you never see him out of it completely. He's probably balding underneath. That's why. Now this scene right here makes a later scene have much more emotional impact. Um. God, it's just how can you not want to do? Th- I mean, yeah, you might die, but what what do you got going on Earth right now? You guys are doing autograph sessions. I mean, it there comes a point like I don't know if I was in that situation, I'd be like, yeah, I might die, but I'm gonna die the happiest boy in the world. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I could go home and live to be 96 and die pissing my pants in a old, an old folks home, you know, See, or I could die in a, really in a flaming thing. shuttlecraft, you know, I'll die in the flaming shuttlecraft any day or get eaten by like some alien creature. I'd prefer that it happens fast, but yeah. Nobody knows. You know why? Because my character isn't important enough for a last name. Because I'm gonna die. That's a real meta textual comment on the Star Trek series. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that. I like that he believes that this is some that it's some unwritten rule. It has to happen. Yeah, since the aliens have replicated all this stuff, that the universe is still going to play it out like one of their TV shows, you know? So he's doomed, you know? I love that. It's like, it's superstition, really. <laughs> you know, he's he's not, he's he's probably, I love it. So look, he's, he's still eating. <laughs> he sh- he's actually probably more steeped in the, in the Galaxy Quest lore than they are, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, because he does the introductions at the shows and everything. Mm-hmm. And that scene right there is right out of the um, the the episode where the shuttlecraft in the original series lands on the planet has the giant fuzzy Bigfoots throwing rocks at it. Mm-hmm. Galileo Seven, or I think it is. <laughs> He's <Just> yawning. yawning. <laughs> Have you really? Like, yeah, That's what I love Tuesday. about him. He's just along for the ride. We're in space now. We're on an alien planet. All right, whatever. I got my bag of food with me. <laughs> this was a really well-designed creature yes. as well. This way. 
Well, <laughs> I love that the planet ha- is that combination of California backlot, but those outcroppings are very alien-looking, so it's it's got an edge of real... Yeah, this does look like a desert, but at the same time, it looks like an, a, an actual alien planet. Right, right. Not as much the California desert as where they fought the, the Gorn. It's kind of like more of a episode one, you know, yes. pod racing, Ta- yes. Tatooine world, than anything else. So. Yes, absolutely. Now, the, 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 the special effects of these little blue creatures is done handled very well mm-hmm. i love the i love the scenes through the the telescope it they for early cg they really have a lot of personality and you know they're still cartoony but they it works yeah by 99 they had pretty much gotten it figured out it was just getting the the rougher edges off of it it's not like you know you know like like the abyss where the water effect is like the most amazing thing you've ever seen on film or even t2 you know, we've got creature effects because we know George Lucas can do it. You know, and he went he went all digital with you know the the, the prequels, uh, well, and more and more digital as they went on. Of course, I'm I'm thinking these digital effects probably cost five times as much as the normal digital effects you saw it in in a movie in these days. Well, they're pretty That's fluid. I, they I mean, so they're good. yeah. Minus, not minus. So, <laughs> It's it's how it's also how they how they animate them. They just their ears flop. The there's facial expressions. There you know, especially when we get to the where they go all creepy. Um, I mean, look at him. His ears like he's dragging his leg, and his ears like twitching in pain. Yeah, it's breaking my heart actually. <laughs> Get the fuck down. <laughs> What's funny is this is... It's <laughs> That's great the best in, line of the film. Guys... In all these movies, the paranoid guy is always right at least once. You know, is always absolutely right where he's like, no, they're going to turn on you. Uh, there's a shot here that's really pretty gory of one of them holding an arm aloft in, in this, yeah. like, jumps in there and comes out. He's got an arm in his hand. <laughs> He's actually thinking of a plan. You can see it in his head. Well, he's used to it. He knows the drill. He's just going off all his old scripts. And he's totally right to. <laughs> because it's that. What are you wearing? See, this whole speech would have been like a third of the movie in a normal movie. Yeah. Of them them anguishing over, you know, are we just, are we just ourselves as our characters or something? But I like that they... You you could go in that direction. I mean, that would be the average, that would be the average Hollywood, like, paint by numbers character arc in this situation. But they, but they pretty much... They pretty much let the characters just sort of naturally go like, oh no, we're 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 playing our characters. 
But and, then, more, and that lets him do a lot of. That's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it hurts him too. He's he he looks like he's a little in pain every time he gets up. <laughs> and he's trying to get the dirt off his. <laughs> the um, classic. The thing is, though, when you have the characters just rolling with it, and and, and just kind of going with the flow, then. <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of funny. <laughs> but you're when like, you have you're, them you're kind of into up. it and going with it, I think the audience will accept that just as much because then you're on a different ride. Yes, yes, and as a matter of fact, you can go, you can instead of having to develop that old story angle of like, no, no, you have it in you, you can take it into d different directions, into a deeper direction, where this goes. This isn't about like the characters having faith in themselves, which is, you know, the the quote-unquote moral of 90% of Hollywood movies that get made is like, have faith in yourself and, and all that. Now, that's a sort of given in this. This is, this is actually just saying, you know, S Star Trek is real. <laughs> in, in, in a, you know, in a philosophical sense. Yeah. They're doing it for real in this, but... So, you know, you wouldn't really have that. He's actually truly dramatic here that he, he got everyone on board first. And Rickman's character is like, of course, this is just a put on because he's trying to steal the scene. But no, he's actually buying into the role that he has to play. Yes. And, and, and he's stealing this. He is stealing the scene, and but you know, even if that scene means he's gonna get eaten. Seems <laughs> <laughs> sort of evil. Yeah. <sighs> it always hurt. I always figured these would be my dogs if we left them to their own devices. <laughs> it's a good creature effect. Yes. Little pustules on the side of the tongue. It's a very Terry Gilliam. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I, I can agree with that. It's it's you know it's a giant puppet. It's a guy. It's like a midget in there. I, I love when they run. Even their their arms just pump a little faster. <laughs> Grignac. think I can take him. <laughs> well, this is totally arena. This is totally like oh, the fight yeah, the Gorn. Yeah, I mean, he's fighting the Gorn here. <laughs> and it's equally as slow and, uh... <laughs> you can totally see that there's a guy just bent over in that suit. <laughs> oh, this is, this is funny as hell. This is a good play on the uh, scene, the opening scene to Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yes. Where they're having problems with the teleporters. <laughs> that is great. The first... Yeah, it's, it's first... his first crisis of conscience. Yeah. <laughs> like, at this point, it's real for him. Like, everything else before was abstract. He hasn't had to do anything. <laughs> all he's had to do, all he had to do, is really give a report from engineering, and eat, and eat. 
<laughs> I love its tail is just wagging like a little dog's tail. It's a neat effect. Yeah. So, sort of akin to the Star Trek 2009 transporters. I have yet to see the uh, the film, so that I will have to take your word for. Oh, oh God! I wonder how many times they had to film that to get that piece of meat to fall off her communicator just perfectly like that. Well, that and just to, just to have them not laugh. I have a feeling that unless these people hated each other, this was a set where they were just laughing the entire time. Oh, yeah. Well, well, one of the, I remember one of the big deals about this is people were just very impressed. This was like Sigourney Weaver, Weaver's first real comic role. And they were really, you know, impressed at how, you know, a little out of character she was. That's true. But she was kind of one of the straight, she was kind of playing this, a straight, more of a straight role in that. I guess she is in this too, but. And this no, has got to be though. a rip on Star Trek V where Shatner wanted his rock monster, but they couldn't afford it. And this is just sort of like, ha ha. We got, we rock got a rock monster. monster. <laughs> we could afford it. <laughs> And special effects allow it now, so here's your rock monster. Well, given given what a what a close friend Spielberg and Lucas are, it's kind of funny to see somebody from that camp doing a Star Trek thing. Yes. <laughs> vulnerable spots. <laughs> well, this is another. It, <laughs> that's a total from the from arena. <laughs> <laughs> what is its motivation? That's, a, that's the great thing is that what he's always more concerned about the the actual a, act of acting. That's a little wonky looking with him hanging upside down, but it's not bad. A little bit wonky, yeah. That shirtless. was Shatner, 100%. Yeah, no shirt. <laughs> Scratches. <laughs> the look around. The the hint of a gut. <laughs> there's a, there's something there. going on here with, you know, you used to do it. You, you just need to find, you know, the confidence again. It's like... Maybe something there was more to him than than just the guy that eats stuff and all that. So well, also well, I think I think he, he get he's given his motivation again as a simple motivation: impress a girl. <laughs> the girl walks in, he's like, ah, I gotta impress a girl. So he's motivated by by food, sex, <laughs> food and sex. <laughs> First genuine warm moment between those two characters. Mm hmm. All right. We get the brilliant spear installed? Yes, we are back to full power. <laughs> He's still covered in gunk. Fully operational. Perfect. We'll crank this 
sucker off, you could drop us off. You guys can be back to your home planet before supper. Oh, no, sir. We have no reason to go back. Sure you do. Family, friends, go on. We are all that is left. And that's when it... <laughs> this is when shit gets real. At the same time, they don't really falter. They just adjust. Yeah. <laughs> but it's more like now we have to stay. I love that he's just assuming command. Why can't we reach them? Great, we got the freaking like Bob Marley group as his backup <laughs> dancers. In the late 80s and early 90s, lots of aliens had dreadlocks. I don't know what was up with that. Predator. Predator, yeah. That's what I think where it all started. Uh, this is just kind of a heartbreaking scene because he just totally believes in them he's convinced he, he does not he's not facing death he doesn't think he is he's being tortured he knows he's being injured but he doesn't think he's gonna die well it's a very complex scene when when um you know when he finally realizes you know these guys think this television show is real you know, when when you real when you realize that basically they're kids, they're like kids. They're mm -hmm. like have no experience with other aliens or any kind of deceit or or anything. They're kind of a pure species, and you know he's he's gonna revel in in taking away their purity. You know, he's like that's why he's gonna make him make him tell him. I loved when he walked back; those things on his back popped up. Yeah, yeah, when he gets angry, it's, his armor busts out. It, but, you know, he's he's actually a little more complicated than a lot of Star Trek <laughs> villains, you know, and especially mm -hmm. in this scene. He, you know, when he realizes, you know, that this guy isn't even, this guy isn't even a, a real captain or a, a real enemy. He's just like an actor from a TV show, and he realizes the whole situation. And he becomes almost sympathetic <laughs> to Tim Allen in a little, in a way, you know. You know, it's hard to emote through that much anger, but this guy's pulling it off pretty good. Yeah. This it's all in his eye, because you can't see the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Adjusting his eight, early '80s hair. What? What I love is even. Even uh, Balthazar on the on the torture table is like, "Ooh, Galaxy Quest is on!" Yeah. <laughs> like he's sitting there, with, like his eyes are lighting up on the screen. Uh, you know, when you say that these characters aren't like an A for A type of thing, you know, Sigourney Weaver's character is not Uhura. No, because Uhura was never that active, and she never. And you know, there's never. You know, there's sort of the uh, romantic interest and and implied romantic past between her and Tim Allen like you there was a really child. an element the, the the thing is though is that she's more like they took a Charlie's Angels character and put her in a space in a space opera yes yes uh, which is mixing some interesting genres there for an early I mean it's just that uh, just maybe that wasn't their intention but that's what I'm getting out of it look at that smirk I know 
Yeah, he gets away with a lot of nice face. Not just a smirk, but just that sort of like... Hmm. And a little Kinda roll looks of the like, eyes, too. Like the Grinch's people from the Jim Carrey film. Yes. They've got a little Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. National Space Exploration Administration. <laughs> NSEA. I guess that would make sense. Well, uh, what makes you wonder is why they don't assume that he doesn't have a, have a real ship, his own ship, you know, his own... Why they built him one, <laughs> you know? But it's really just kind of sad to watch Balthazar work through what he's being told. Like, his entire world is crumbling. He's hearing that Santa Claus doesn't exist right yeah. now. And that, that Skippy didn't go to a retirement home for yeah. dogs. And Yeah, he's he's there is no doggy heaven, basically. Right, right. There's no, you know, doggy home in, in upstate where, where Skippy went to chase butterflies in a field for the rest of his life. It was... Uh, but Alan's really pulling this scene off, too. I mean, it's kind of a... It's an easy scene to screw up on an emotional level because you know like you can see like in his eyes he feels terrible about this he, he's being made he's being used as the object to torture and yeah. destroy balthazar you know so he's got to be the one to deliver the death blow you know basically the spirit breaking blow but once again though really balthazar and tim allen both, even though they know that, that it's not real, it doesn't really make an awful lot of difference. I mean, look at Tim Allen. He's going to go after him just like Kirkwood. Yeah. <laughs> and and do a hammy, hammy pain drop to the floor, just like Shatner. Your agonizer, please. <laughs> exactly. Sir, your agonizer. But he's, he's working the angles as they're walking mm -hmm. along. It's kind of cool. He's making a plan. He's doing ex it's it's a WWKD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've only recently gotten into the gestalt of Kirk and realized why he works as a character. Um, because I grew up with Next Gen. You know, that was the first right. Star Trek I ever got to know. <laughs> And this is also great because it shows that even though he considers himself a great actor and everything, he still remembers all the parts, yeah. you know, all the episodes and all his parts. Yeah, this is... Turns into a Fizbin game. Strip Fizbin, one would say. Laxamtron, <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he put a lot. Oh, nice. I mean, really, that was that was pretty clever. And it... Okay. It was pretty clever, and it was all Star Trek. That's totally. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sucking him out of the airlock is totally Star Trek. Blowing them out. They're blown out into space. 
I love the fact that he's he's taking pride in the ship that he had nothing to do with. Oh yeah. <laughs> These guys, on the other hand, like in every movie, it takes them 15 minutes to get blown out into space. Yeah, I was about to say. Well, they're just sucking the oxygen out. Slowly, yeah. They're, they're torturing they're, they're, it and, and killing them. But... Which is probably the worst way you could die in space is just to not be able to breathe over a slow period of time. God, poor guy. I wonder why, if he if he's unconscious, why he isn't a squid. He's that dedicated to the role. <laughs> I wonder who that voice is. That's what I was wondering, too, because I was wondering if there might be some, like, gag involved in the computer's voice, but I don't recognize it from anywhere. We'll have to pay attention during the... Joe the Frank is the voice of the computer. Does not ring a bell. Let's go. Trying to see. I do not recognize him from anything. Very good. Okay. It's a very Star Wars hallway. Yes. Oh, cigar. And this is. Again, this is one of those things where you kind of elevate the fandom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Instead of them just being nerdy, here's where fandom actually, yeah, you, you know. They are part of it. They, it. It is them and their dedication and their love and the fact that they figured it out. I mean, you know, we, we you know, on our various shows sit here and pick apart every conceivable angle of a story or a you know a Star Trek episode or a comic book or anything. And you get into that as a fan. I love the fact though that he's wearing like your your eighties era nerd clothes. I yes. mean look at that shirt. <laughs> yes. Uh, well that's like nerds often have clothes like that because they don't care about clothes and it's probably their older brothers, you know, leftovers from the eighties. Does he have stains on his pants or is that just my imagination? <laughs> I think that's just imagination, but I think in reality he might very well have stains. Like on food his pants, stains, like a, like, like a real you know, character. Yeah, yeah, I know. Bodily I mean. fluids. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, we're we're the ones that write the technical manuals. We're the ones that right. try to figure out how the, the the drive works and how the you know how the ship is actually oh. laid out. How many how many Star Trek nerds grew up to be scientists yeah. and work at NASA and you know. And all and, and and all that. That's that, that's what it is. It's it's like these are the people that are going to save the world. The History you know? Channel did a great two-hour documentary <laughs> on that called "How Star Trek," or how William Shatner changed the world, uh, where they have this beautiful moment where he he there, he he's sitting there, you know, making this introduction, basically saying, you know, did we, you know, how did we come up with all this technology? Did we do this? Did we do that? Blah 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 blah. And he finally goes. We made it up. We crapped it out our butts. <laughs> but from that, smart people extrapolated how it could work in real life. You know, well, it was the ideas behind it. Yeah, you know, I mean, they, the, the, you know, they, they were both. It's bullshit te technology, but I don't know. Scientists have just built a tractor beam that they can, you know, 
move little particles around with, but they built a tractor beam, you know. Yeah. So there, the, it was technology that was just ideas, you know, and it was the basic idea of Star Trek that the future would be better and, you know, that we would have figured out a lot more stuff. You know, it's funny that, you know, he just said, Justin Long's character is just like, I'm going to pull in this guy. He knows this better than anybody. We all know that guy that knows the thing a little mm -hmm. better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Although, this, this, this decent of instant messaging, I don't think was really uh, working out. That, no, that was, what, was DSL but Nerds around? always had stuff like, yeah, but nerds always had that stuff. You know, people always figured the nerds like, I hacked my computer so it works better, you know. I, so, I think that was kind kind of like in war games, you know, his what you know his what, computer was doing in war games. But the funny thing about war games is that they specifically bought technology that was like three years out of date mm -hmm. uh, to make it reasonable that he would pick it up all second. I just rewatched war games recently, and uh, with the commentary, so it's kind of interesting to 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 hear how they figured out how the computer stuff was going to work but you're right computer stuff in these movies always works just a little bit better than the yes. time period like now you know the only reason they're on these communicators is that they can't talk through dial-up but do they have dial-up because could you do that kind of instant messaging through dial-up right right in those days oh my god so i used to wait been, for web pages to load you know this must have been like the dawn of dsl and broadband basically but the nerds would have had that because they would want the faster yeah. connection to be able to do what they want to do. I mean, I'm I'm kind of the opposite of that. I don't get technology unless I absolutely need it. They just wanted it. Yeah, I get my technology when I need it, and it's always a few years behind yeah. the curve, you know. <laughs> I've got an iPhone 3. You know why I have an iPhone 3? Because we wanted a smartphone, and they're like, hey, you can have this for a dollar. Yeah. So... <laughs> I like the look of awe. They're pulling that off very well because you know it's that, it's that you know William Shatner. They're looking at a piece of like a uh, like a freaking post-it note on a pole. Right. They used to have to look at a green or a blue screen in those days, but you know, yeah, right. They they were looking at somebody with a little picture on a stick, waving it around, going, "Okay, this is the generator going." <laughs> Though it's kind of funny. Uh, I was reading today that apparently Ian McKellen had a kind of a breakdown while filming The Hobbit. Because he just he got sick of not working with actors on the, against a green screen. Uh huh. So it's kind of I can imagine that it makes your life it makes your life hard. You don't have that's that's what actors need are other actors to yeah. You're you're feeding play off what of. the other guy is giving you. Yeah, and and someone like Ian McKellen, you're you're a method actor and a classic actor. You know it's. It's almost without acting, acting in front of a green screen is like doing voiceover or something, you know, it's, it's hard to, it must be, it must be maddening, you know, I mean, it obviously worked to George Lucas's disadvantage, not that he isn't a wooden director to start out with. But. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm not trying to dog the man, don't get me wrong, but you know, he's not the master director. I mean, yeah. American Graffiti notwithstanding, I think again there, you, it was the cast that he was working with and not the direction. Yes, yes. I love it. They push him so far that even, you know, the most exasperated of all of them, he still believes in his, his yeah. catchphrase at the end of it. 
jumpers. <laughs> and here's the video game angle. Yeah. Oh, Star did you see the Star dub Wars on Epito that? Yeah, that was. She said, "Fuck that." Yeah, they cut it for a PG. That. They cut that for a PG-13 rating. Yeah. There's a, there's another there's another one too somewhere earlier in here where they where they cut out a fuck. In, I'm sorry, that would have been can... funnier if she said "fuck that" because that would have been my. Oh reaction. yeah. Oh yeah. You can go straight or to no, hell. Act actually, I think they cut it for a p uh, from to get a PG instead of a PG-13. Yeah. I think is what the. But yeah, you can plainly see her say "fuck." <laughs> Oh, walk through the next section of the green screen. Okay, dark. right out of episode two. Yeah, I think all this happened in episode two, pretty much. Yes, it did. Except there was just a lightsaber that got squashed. Who the hell develops the fire pit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I like that they have a ship with useless stuff in it that was just put in there before for as plot elements. But now the ship actually has the, the fire pit for no reason other than to make it exciting to jump over at the end of that. It's really great to see everyone embrace their characters, though. I mean, he's he was... Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that tentacle pops up. <laughs> I like how Shaloub's just like, tentacle? Yeah, what the hell? Oh, that's not I really like Sam Rockwell. That that has a very that is almost a subgenius joke because of the subgenius end of the world story. The giant sex squids come from outer space to take the subgeniuses away. To now, this poor rock creature, you know, he living its life on the planet. That's true. I mean, he's gonna get sucked into some gravitational force and crash into a planet and burn up in the atmosphere, but. After 10 million years of just floating free in space, or more. Oh, good, you're not all dead. He has saved us I love the red spots all over his face. Upstaged again. Yeah. This is the sad part. Because again, it was that scene before that makes this scene work. Because him dying is actually really sad. Yes. Why does he have that Rastafarian helmet? It's so bizarre. <laughs> You're going to be okay. It is funny that they, you're right, they don't revert to their normal forms. I mean, and it's all coming home for him that this is not just, it's not just about being an actor. You know, something he did touched somebody to such a degree 
that well now his catchphrase gets a real meaning too yeah and he gets to use his catchphrase in real actual context really feeling the anger that because i don't know I, I don't know if his character was supposed to be an emotionalist character like a vulcan no but it was he's more kind of had thor lines you know was it Hrothgar's Hro- hammer by Rothgar or something? Yeah, but Rob he just Thars. and and just this totally made like it was all worth it. He could die happy now because mm-hmm. he heard the line from the guy. Well, it's like you're yeah, it's like your idol, you know. If you're you you've actually look at that he's dark actually look become, on his face. Yes, <laughs> time to kill. Well, th- this was th- those are always this is always when audiences go nuts in the movie theaters when the character gets that freak out moment where they just become fearless. <laughs> Destroy! This is a good and, put on your war face. He's a good enough actor to sell it too. So. Oh yeah. I love it. Um, Brennan, it's not working. This is problematic. <laughs> this is mom's making him take out the garbage because end of the it. day he's a teenager. That's that wonder bra she's wearing that's now visible. Okay, we didn't die. <laughs> Does he still have his scratches on? Oh, it always stops at one. <laughs> yeah, she's wearing a serious wonder bra there, so. She's kind of hot, though. Yeah, she's Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, I was about to say. Even when she was kind of mannish and aliens, she was hot. She's one-third of a Sigourney Weaver, Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Honeywell sandwich. Of course she's hot. That's really your dream now, isn't it? It's a dream. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a sandwich. I could do one at a time, or both. I love it. His his helmet's all screwed up. His yeah, the, hair, the blonde hair sticking, sticking out. out of it. <laughs> yeah, these people have had enough of this racist shit, and they are just. <laughs> I really like that bridge. His seat is just so awesome up those little stairs. And I love it. Now he's got the confidence to maneuver through, yeah. the, through the mines. And this is one of those great, like, pump your fist up moments as well. And again, oh, we were talking about... Total Wrath of Khan battle. Yeah, but, you know, it's one of those things that we were talking about before where you make it so much of what the the genre is that it just elevates the film beyond just being kind of a poke and fun at this. Well, not, now this is the point. This is the point where all the characters have come to terms with what, what their roles are. Mm-hmm. And this is where, this is the point where it goes from being, you know... 
a sort of play on the reality to where they're they're the real thing now. They're 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 enacting the show in real life. It's been real life so far, but they've embraced it and they're now wor working it. They have become their TV show. You know, they've taken their roles on the bridge and they're they're doing it because they practically have to. And and they're doing the things that their characters would have done. And it's also so now it's become a Star Trek movie. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Accelerate to Mark Four. Put all, put all power towards the armor. It's just you know you replace it with shields and photon yep. torpedoes and you know and um, warp factor six and. It's like how can. How can you tell he's sweating? <laughs> he's always pretty slimy. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Actually, his, his little feelers on his head remind me of the evil guy from Time Bandits. Yeah. Had sort of like the same David sort Warner. of setup. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, run. <laughs> Not going to do you much good, but you can at least try. Alan almost slipped up in that. It, it, it could have gone very, very wrong with him, you know, saying I'm dragging mines, but he he pulled it off. Probably took a couple of takes, but See? <laughs> no, what you don't. It was. Wait. Uh -oh. uh, you see, I think I, I, I really think he doesn't even really believe. I think he I think Balthazar probably does know that they're really the actors, but he doesn't care. And he's just saying that, you know, to make everybody else feel better, feel better. And just like, because see, he's still got a little, you know, he still kind of understands what happened he's a, he's the leader knows knows more than his followers yes they do okay i'm really buying into this movie <laughs> i don't know if i were tim allen i would have definitely taken the role i would have been like well we've just actually defeated the space dictator and now i can neither live on earth or fly around in a spaceship for the rest of my life hmm hmm course it would be with squid people this little coral moment there that's totally star trek yeah through the wormhole uh, i love it sam shepherd's totally just realized that he's gonna live <laughs> Whoa. Now notice which character doesn't get shot in this sequence. Okay. Well, Tim Allen got shot. Okay, he's gone. Okay. 
<laughs> is it? Even in death, they're goofy. Yeah. Everybody but the red shirt basically gets shot. <laughs> yeah, I was about to sequence. say this. Uh, I never noticed that before. Very good catch there, sir. Uh, See, because I, I, I was like, I remember, oh, I forgot this, and then I remembered it when it was happening, and I'm like, oh, the, you know, he's got to go first. I, I love it. The ship's got a built-in plot device with a button on it. Little Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy style. Which is ironic when you consider it. Yeah. Here's the thing. Why don't the re why does only Tim Allen remember? Why don't the rest of them remember? Because he's the one that touched the device. I guess so. By the way. I have had enough of you. <laughs> and now I'm going to beat you with a cane. Jason! Jason! I can't slow it down! The ship is too big to enter the atmosphere. We need to separate or we'll die. I love it. It's like they have gen. a sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta have the saucer separation. Although I think when this separates, it totally looks like one of the skiff ships from Retur uh, Return of the Jedi. I'll have to see again. It's been like a really long time. This is sweet. Oh, <laughs> happy for him! Like, oh, you found each other, isn't? It? Yeah, it does. You're absolutely right. <laughs> They're living the dream. <laughs> I'm just going to keep pointing in this direction. Eventually, we will go there. That is really? Just a Jerry very... Pinnacoli? That guy's a scumbag. Who's that? The guy on TV? Yes. He uh he hosted. It sounds a like was that someone you went to high school with or something? <laughs> no, like... he hosted a show called PM Magazine, and he was kind of like the oh. the worst kind of dirt merchant journalist. So yeah, I think that's him. If only I had the internet. <laughs> His mom's very Ellen DeGeneres. A little bit. What I like about this is they crash their spaceship into a Star Trek convention, and nobody and nobody like calls a, you know, it's like what a great stunt, and it's just like, yeah. Meanwhile, fifty people are crushed underneath this thing. Yeah, it was Jerry Pinnacoli. I was absolutely right. Oh my god, dirt merchant. <laughs> And this should be where America actually reaches its space age because now they have a ship to backward engineer. 
Isn't this the part where, wouldn't the sequel to this be Tim Allen and everybody getting like picked up by the, the CIA and and held captive because they're the only ones who know how to fly this spaceship? When I was in the theater, I had a general freakout moment at the guy that's doing the announcing. It's coming up. Yeah, there were a lot of dead people here. I was just going to say, nobody's, nobody, you know, there's there's not 20 bodies underneath that ship. Ladies and gentlemen, I present, doing the announcing, the funniest member of the Kids in the Hall, Kevin Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. It totally is him. Yeah. Of course he's got to be in this movie. I love <laughs> Kevin McDonald. Yes. I love, well, I love the kids in the hall, just period. But just when, when, I, when I saw him, I'm like, it's Kevin McDonald. Oh, my God. I love the kids in the hall. It's so great. I had a total geek out moment. Have you watched Devil Comes to Town yet? No. Oh, good Lord. Another if shipmate. But Kevin McDonald is is credited by all the other cast members of the kids in the hall at being the funniest one. Okay, I'll let you out. I know you got your little shirt on. I love that. He's British. <laughs> Let's hear it for him. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the total Shatner beat up body yeah. language too. It's awesome. Oh, oh. And this works. The, the, the romantic angle, which could have been very, very silly, totally works. Well, it's funny because you see all the fans go, oh boy. I love it. They just start shooting foam nerf things at him. That was a little wonky, but it worked. <laughs> Dude, the, their friend, the tall blonde guy, is like your quintessential geek. Yes, the guy who's who's a foot taller than all his friends. Yeah. And every female in the audience is moment is simultaneously Ooh. happy and mad. Yeah, and pissed. Yeah, after I just did all that, and, and if I was single, I would take the first prettiest girl I saw and would get some. I, I would definitely Sigourney Weaver it up. And then see if she has Jamie Lee Curtis's phone number? Yes. To be part of that sandwich? Yes. It's like the yes, best kind Oreo cookie. It, that plan, although it wouldn't really work out like that, like I hook up with Sigourney Weaver and then I go, let's call up Jamie Lee and Curtis. This it would is... probably take years of working and finagling and situations until it, finally the perfect storm set up for my sandwich, but this I would do that. This is the big moment for them as a cast because he's finally sharing the spotlight, whereas yes. he kind of just took it. Not to be evil or a jackass, he just, the journey continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no mention there's no mention of the spaceship, the real spaceship that crashed into the convention causing millions of dollars worth of damage. <laughs> These are great opening credits. Yes. Oh, it's you, you scamp. <laughs> and and what about Jane Doe there? Do, now does she know that I, Is he supposed know? to be Asian? Is that what I'm getting from this? Okay, 
This is the I think this is the funniest joke of all. Is he was concerned about being redshirt, but in the next generation version, he's the chief security officer, yeah. which was the first character to get killed off in Star Trek: The Next Generation. This is true, Tasha Yar. Yeah, so he's basically Tasha Yar. That's hilarious. Oh man, that was great. Classic. Yeah, just it and it still holds up now. I mean, it's you know. It's never going to not hold up. It's never going to not hold up because it's about Star Trek. So it's it's sort of standalone. The cheesy aspects of it are supposed to be cheesy, so they're never going to become cheesy. You know what I mean? Rain Wilson was in this? Oh, I'll bet you he was I bet you he was skinnier. I bet you couldn't even recognize him with the with, with the, the makeup Vulcan, and everything. Wow. With the Vulcan hair and stuff why i like watching the credits well he's a huge nerd he probably like battled to get himself it's you know it's really funny that like i mean he hasn't really started becoming i, I don't even know if he is a household name with but the office recently, i would say he was with the office yes for sure um but you know it's it's funny when you see how long some of these guys are around you know in, in these movies playing little, little parts and stuff before they show up you sort of think that they've just sort of started but they've been working for you know Rain Wilson had to work for 20 years to to get to, or longer to get to the office well it, it's like there's an actor just start out <laughs> there's an actor named Patrick Warburton who does probably most famous now for being like the live action tick and he was on mm -hmm. Seinfeld and he's the voice of Putty. Joe on Family yes. Guy and I'm watching an episode of Quantum Leap from like 1990 and he's a baby and uh, yeah I was just like oh so yeah he did start there mm -hmm. very good okay wow So I'm trying to think of what the name of the Rain Wilson superhero movie is that he just did recently uh, part of me wants to see that part of me doesn't it's very good it's very, it's very Isn't good. Kevin Bacon in that? Yes, Kevin Bacon's the bad guy in it, and it's dark. It's dark and it's it's hipstery, but Rain Wilson isn't really a hipster, so the hipstery elements he plays them into a dark place. But um, it's a bizarre movie. But it's really good. It's sort of actually. It's sort of actually when I I, I saw it right after I saw Kick Ass, and I really liked Kick Ass, but then I saw that movie. I think maybe was it called Super, something uh, like that. Something like that, and um, and I was like, this is really what this is the real version of what Kick Ass should have been, you know this this and it has. It has a moment of reality in it that's that's like a punch in the gut, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, that uh, Kickass didn't have, but it's still got the same sort of humor and the the hu and like you know um, an underage girl or a, like a teenage girl involved in you know crime fighting, and and the sort of moral well, that's Ellen sketchiness Page, isn't of it? that. In the, in uh, which one? The Rain Wilson movie. Yes. So she's older than the character of the the girl in in the Kickass movie. She's... But she's still concept artist Bernie Wrightson. 
Oh wow! Awesome. Yeah, that looks like Bernie Wrights in art. Now that, that those I... those those the, those um, squid aliens are definitely Bernie Wrights. Yeah. In. Wow, that's awesome. He probably got paid more doing that than on his entire run of Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yep. Yep. And yep. That's the sad thing about it, but. It's a nerd movie. Some nerd said, hey, let's get Bernie Wrightson. <laughs> That's why you do it. David Letterman's voice from The Late Show with David Letterman. Copyright Worldwide Pants. I didn't even know. I didn't. don't remember hearing Dave Letterman's voice in there at all. Maybe he, uh, he should have been the voice of the computer. That would have been pretty funny. And this is the part where Samuel L. Jackson comes out and recruits them for the Avengers. <laughs> that joke will never get old. Never, never, never. Especially when my wife said it at the end uh, when we saw that Edgar Allan Poe movie with John Cusack. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot all about that. Was that any good? Actually, yes, it was It was very good. Uh, mostly because of Cusack. Cause yeah, I was just going to say, a lot of times, like... I, I don't know. Cusack is one of those actors that nine times out of ten, you're not going to go wrong with him. I think he picks his scripts well, fairly he wants to, He's playing Rush Limbaugh part. now, so apparently. What? In like a bio? Yeah, of, in a bio, bio movie of Rush Limbaugh? Yeah. Wow. That should be interesting. Is Oliver Stone directing it? I have no idea. But that, I would watch that, though. He'd get every fact wrong, but I'd still watch it because Oliver Stone is a brilliant filmmaker. Oh yeah, he's not a historian, but uh, oh, I mean, JFK I, is full of inaccuracies. It's a beautiful movie to watch. Yeah, well, he, JFK just threw everything. What was the last Oliver Stone movie I saw? I guess it was uh, it W. Was I think it was W. Was the last one I saw. Oh, was that I love any good? W. Yes, it's great. Okay, it's. I'm not, as everybody knows, I'm not a fan of George W. Bush. It makes you kind of sympathetic for the little guy by the end of the movie. He, start, <laughs> he, he, he makes him into, well, you know, maybe I was surprised because I'm like, this is Oliver Stone. He's going to just trash this guy. You know, he's just going to, you know, portray him as a stumbling, bumbling idiot. And he does definitely get portrayed as being a jerk. But... You know, he's humanized. He's totally, hu you know, he's a human Look, character and you can't, like, you can't you, turn you, him into a demon with this movie. You can't be like, oh, that's our George Bush. What an idiot, you know? And you can hate the guy Rich that stole your lunch money all, all you, you know, all day long. When you find out that his dad beats him, you kind of feel a little bad for him. Well, <laughs> you I'm, know? I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the actor who played him. Uh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin does a fantastic job and even better than Josh Brolin is um, Richard Dreyfus. as oh, Richard Dreyfus plays Dick Cheney. Cheney. Oh god. Yeah, that, He's that's great. He's great. And I can't remember who plays Colin Powell but there are some great scenes of conflict between Colin Powell and Dick Cheney that are just I mean, you just don't think of Richard Dreyfus as Dick Cheney. You just don't. I just, I, I picture him as Hooper, you know, or or um, or Mister Whatever's op Mister Holland's Opus, or something like that. You know, sort of like a chubby hippie guy. You know, boy, he nails Dick Cheney. He's he 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 becomes Dick Cheney. It's amazing. 
Yeah, I highly, highly recommend that movie. And then I think the one I saw before that was the fictional one that, what was it, Dead End? Maybe it was Sean Penn. I don't know. And, uh, it's got, um, what's his name who married what's her name? The redneck guy who played, uh, uh, I like, I like fries. Billy Bob Thornton, who married Angelina Jolie. Yes, it's got Billy Bob Thornton in it. It's got some great Ween music in the background. It's like this over over the top crime drama. How the hell did we get on? I don't know from Galaxy from fucking Galaxy Quest. Um, I don't know. Closing thoughts for me: just I loved this film when I saw it in the theater. Which we saw, my, my my wife and I were just dating at the time, and we saw it on a complete lark. Like, hey, we want to go see a movie? Well, Galaxy Quest is out. What's that? Don't know. Let's go see it. I walked out of the theater. I bought the DVD. Um, I have not bought the newer version of the DVD, which has even more footage. Uh, but at some point, I, I guess I should do that. It's just, it's got a perfect cast. It's got great writing, great directing, a beautiful score. And it's just the best celebration of geek culture I have ever seen. Here, here, it it to me this movie is Star Trek is the perfect is like the master's thesis on Star Trek and yeah. the phenomena of Star Trek, and on the fact that you know that something in our culture like that 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 you have so many you know you have all these the the you want to make fun there's there's a an urge for society to make fun of the the people who get you know overly nerd nerdy about it but this movie is here to say you know there's a reason that many people are into it and there's a reason that many i mean the kid the kid gets to basically say it he's like i know that it's not real you know i know that you know at one point he you know he tells tim allen that and but you know but it is real and it and it is it's the idea of it it's the the spirit of the the characters and it's the idea of the the basis of the series that's that's the real that's a real idea and it and it almost goes back to the nature of just storytelling in you know in, but it's in also society. for everyone who's ever and I know this is going to seem very maudlin and cheesy but I but I honestly feel this way you know, there are people out there that for whatever reason feel like an outcast. Maybe they're a little smarter and were picked on for it. Maybe they're overweight. Maybe they're just socially awkward. Or maybe they have some kind of disability that prevents them from being quote-unquote normal. Because I, I don't believe in that bullshit that a disability makes you not normal. You right. know, you just can't do... So you have to gravitate towards something. You have to find something. For me... When I was 11 years old and really trying to find something to grab onto, I found Superman. And it became a lifelong thing where, you know, yeah, I know Superman isn't real, but I can love the character, love what he represents. Well, and there's get into... more to it than just Superman is cool, too. It, yeah. It's not just like, oh, Superman's a cool-looking character or something like that. There's a there's an essence to it. I mean, truth, justice, in the American way. You and, know? and with Star Trek, it's... At the base level, you know, one, we make it, so congratulations. And two, here is a world where everyone's working together and everyone's getting along. Yes, you have a Kirk who's kind of a throwback, quote-unquote, but you need him in that world. 
you know, e even though it's all kumbaya and we don't have any money and everyone's, you know, getting along and, uh, but really when you, when you get into the, the, the politics of Starfleet, they're, they're not, but that's kind of beside the point. Right. Right. You know, it, it gives you something to kind of aspire to. And some people need that, you know, not everybody needs it, but I think there are some people that use that to kind of get through their day. And, oh you know, yeah. Like, all these people who dress up as Klingons and all that, they have found something where they find acceptance and yes, at a base level, you know, or or on a realistic level, that can get really clickish really fast, and then they become the very thing they hate. Right, right. By you know turning against their own people, and it's like you're not, you don't know Star Trek like I know Star Trek and all that. But right. I think I think what this movie does is show, I mean, look, look, you know, everyone's happy, everyone's excited to be there. The cast is excited to you know be talking to the fans, and it's just this great warmth. And I think that's why, you know, outside of the money that they got from autographs, that the original cast and now Next Gen and DS9 and Enterprise and all that, I think that's why they go to these shows. Because, yeah, there's a certain ego boost to it, but, you know, you were at Dragon Con. That's the. There's a love there that is tangible. You can. Well, we have, we have, we have seen those actors go through stages of you know, being like rejecting the fandom or being like, come on, it's just a TV show. And as they grew older and started getting perspective on it, they realized I made an effect on people's lives. Something I did There's a... affected someone's life enough to where they altered their life There's to be more like this. There's a great interview with James Doohan on Trekkies, the first Trekkies documentary, where he talks about at a convention this woman looking very bad like just gloom um and he basically talked to her and said well come to the next convention and see me and she kept coming and coming and coming and eventually found out that basically she was about to kill herself but she wanted to go meet scotty and scotty talked to her and that profoundly changed her life Right, right. And gave her something to do. Gave her enough of an anchor to get on with it. It's not like, you know, if she never, you know, if Scotty, if she missed the convention, that was going to be it. And she was going to be a relapse. But it gave her something to look forward to, which I guess it's on some level gave her like, well, if I look forward to this, then I can go on with my life. Like, it, 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 I don't have to ditch everything. And this is why, you know, you, 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 you've said several times during the course of this commentary that we kind of make fun of ourselves, and we do. And, I, you know, I, you know it's, it's fun to take the piss out of, you know, your, your own people, you know, on just that level of just giving each other a hard time. Or, you know, as I like to yell at people to take, a, you know, a shower before going to a convention, yeah. that's more of a straighten up. But never, never mistake that for me being self-loathing, because I will defend my people to the hilt. It's why I don't like the Big Bang Theory to a certain extent. Uh, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. It's because they're not laughing with us; they're laughing directly. It's step and fetch at it. Us. It's step and fetch it. And, you know, ner and nerd wise, but it takes a nerd to see that. But I don't. I know a lot of nerds that still love it. You know, because it still has something that they rec recognize in it. But it's too broad for me. It's too. You know, 
it's too stereotypical for me. And, and it's kind of funny because somebody on Facebook years ago when I was complaining about the show was just like, well, how is this different from like doctor sitcoms where they're silly or lawyer sitcoms? And it's like, well, the difference is that those people are in respected fields. So when right. you poke fun at them, it's it's satire. It's just like the emperor has no clothes. When you pick on somebody that's getting picked on anyway, that's being a douchebag. <laughs> right. right. That's yeah. That's being the bully. That's taking the bully role. So. And, but, but no, it's just I love the fact that there's fandoms out there. You know, I may not be as into Star Trek as you and Scott. I mean, I love the property, but I love the fact that there are people out there that are so involved in it that you know they make friends and they get a network of things and they dress up and they get the family involved if they're lucky, and it just gives them this great thing to kind of take their mind off of the you know the mundane world. Oh, and, I, I when I think of Star Trek, I think like, um. The you know all the Mars rovers that we have on Mars yeah. right now are probably there a lot sooner than they would have without Star Trek being there. Star Trek had a huge effect on NASA. You know, I mean, there, there was a time when you know, you know, the Star Trek crew was was a regular at NASA functions and stuff, and you know they they used the fame of Star Trek to very Disney like to you know, actually push that agenda. And to me, that's one of the most important agendas of like the human race. You know, there's like making sure that the human race has enough food, shelter and water. And then there's getting the hell off the planet. Cause eventually and, something's going to hit us and it's going to decimate it. So we got to know just, how to... or the sun's going to burn out yeah. or, or something's going to happen. Yes. It's a huge time frame, but we're doomed. We are doomed until we learn how to get off the planet. And yes, so once I, we get off the planet, that's going to fracture the human race and kind of create a new people, just as the, the colonists coming to America. So be it. So be it. Well, I, no, I'm not I, saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just I'm just making I'm just making that point. And and there there should be, I don't know if there should be any. You know, I, I don't think our. Um, our motivation for getting off the planet should be if we don't get off the planet, we're going to die. I, I prefer, I'll take whatever motivation it takes to get us flying through space (laughs) and exploring. I don't care what it is unless it's like to conquer the universe or something. I'm not really for that. Space. Yeah. But, um, yeah, if it, but I, I think that you know the the proper motivation is you're curious to see what's out there. You want to see, you know, that's what that's what the nerds they want to see another planet. Uh, you know, if 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 I was in a spaceship that flew up to another planet and then crashed into it and blew up, I I would be happy. I would, if someone offered me that opportunity right now, I would take it. Even though I know I was gonna, you know, I'm talking shit right now because I'm on a podcast and nobody's offering me that opportunity. But and you would know, you really I mean, believe them if they did? I mean, seriously. That's true too, but if you know, if it was really believable and stuff, just the, just the, you know, hell, even if it was just another planet in our solar system, I would love to, you know, be, you know, lay human eyes on a on a on another planet. How amazing would that be, you know? So we need to get. That's why I love movies like this because we need to get more of that idea in our. In our, 
our society. But everybody's heard me harp on that eight million times. <laughs> That's why I formed the Illuminati. Well, this was a lot of fun, Chris. Yes. And I don't know what next month's commentary monthly Monday is, but I'm thinking it's got to be something kind of Christmassy because it's December next month. So if anybody has any suggestions. Have you done Lethal Weapon yet? We have not done Lethal Weapon. I think last year um, Die Hard got done last year. I think Scott did a commentary for Die Hard. I personally would like to get together. I know I can't do it with Scott. Well, I haven't talked. I don't know what Scott's status is right now. But I know that he hasn't and does not plan on watching Dark Knight Rises. But I'd like to find another fellow hater of of Dark Knight Rises or or not haters or or critic of Dark Knight Rises and and do another Dark Knight before Christmas. Well, I haven't seen it for yet. Christmas Eve. And I have kind of a low opinion of the films to begin with, so Oh, okay. Hey, yeah, well, check it out and if you're interested in that, maybe we can do another Dark Knight before Christmas to put out on Christmas Eve as a little uh little lump of coal in people's uh in people's uh Oh, what do you call those things? Stockings, that's it. Okay, it's getting late. <laughs> I think that's about the best way to You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.Libson.com 2 True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. 
And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying goodnight. Good night, little kids, good night. We're off? Good, well that ought to hold the little bastards.